This podcast episode will handle topics related to domestic violence, homelessness, addiction, mental health issues, and a discussion about the U.S. Supreme Court's overruling of Roe v. Wade. These topics may be triggering for some listeners. I really wanted to post something about Roe v. Wade. Yeah. And she, she was sharing yeah. on her social medias and yeah. I, I was talking to her and it, it directly affects her. Like she, she's from South Carolina and her, mm-hmm. it's like, it directly affects her. Mm-hmm. South Carolina has like already, ha- I believe South Carolina had a, a trigger law with Roe uh, v. Wade. My, and her and I. My home's in Florida. It's coming. Oh, fuck. True. Yeah. But. But her and I were having a conversation about it and I'm like, I'm scared to post because I know, mm-hmm. I know my, I know my grandparents and know my parents. And she's like, I just don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, true. Mm-hmm. True. It's like, it's my body. This Canada seems to be America light. No, this is, there's, there's a lot to un, unpack still here, here about this whole, um, mm-hmm. about this whole thing. Um, as I was at the gym this morning actually this is one of the things i was going to talk about is um is, should we uh, should we should we maybe like and then like discuss it a little sure. bit or is this going to be sure. one of those yeah. podcasts Let's where go. we just go into it well, it could be yeah. we can just keep talking and yeah welcome to the racing it out podcast this is the intro if we <laughs> haven't done one already i was at the gym this morning thinking about that and it's just like because there's stories now you know in, in in the supreme court about you know how it overturned and everything and it's just it's it's it seems as though precedent has been overturned and i thought it was law was based on precedent and i don't understand that and then there's the um stories that are coming out about um the recent most recent judges and how their confirmation has gone and how obviously this topic has come up of roe v wade and i'm not sure why it continues to come up because it was decided 50 years ago and all of the comments and uh, answers to questions during confirmation process for the Supreme Court were that were were of that effect that it's a previous case it's beso- it's been decided based on precedent and changes don't come because it has been decided on precedent I don't know how the and and it's not going to be changed it's not going to be overturned i don't know why cases keep getting sent to the supreme court and why the court keeps allowing them to be sent because that is part of the process is they have to they have to agree to take on the case yeah so why was it ever taken on why was it taken on in the first place and also in terms of the judges that were confirmed and said that it's over it's decided have apparently ruled in a completely different direction from their answers to the confirmation committee and it seems as though that if if that is sworn testimony on the record isn't that perjury so the uh, like there's there's just there's so many questions and so many comments and layers about this and i i think there's uh, there's a lot of stuff that's got to happen and get figured out before anybody even figures out how we're going to move forward like there's 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 going to be trigger laws and laws change and everything and that's going to but it's just mm-hmm. that's the short term i don't know what the long term is going to be yet because i think there's still things coming to light yeah there is i have been trying to not go into it as much because every time i do i fall into a spiral yeah and it isn't 
We have a guest coming on later this episode. Yeah. Who has a very interesting story. She's a, and, it's an intriguing story. And I, I read it and I sent it to you. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I think we should get, get her on right away. And yeah. you said, yeah, let's do it. So we managed to make it happen in, in fairly short order. And mm-hmm. I'm really happy and, and excited about that. The um, reason I mention her now yeah. is because the conversation we're having of, there's a very important theme in this episode mm-hmm. of, it's my life. Don't tread on it. I can make my own decisions. I am a consenting adult. And as long as I inform and have consent from the people around me in my relationships, why do you care? Right. It's, it may be your value system or belief system that is Mm. different from mine but yours in no way shape or form should impact my right to decide how i'm going to carry on with my life and that's i think that's the important distinction that keeps getting lost is of course you know and and this is not just in one country or another or one part of the world or another that we're talking about it's just if you're the minute your right of doing what you want or living the life you want or your freedom your freedom begins to infringe on someone else's that's where your freedom is supposed to end except that it has been taken to the extreme in the sense that well, this is my belief and this is what I want and I should be able to impose that on others. And that's not right. Isn't there supposed to be a separation of church and state? Well, yeah, but, and it's even, I'll I'll boil it down even further. It's just like, isn't it, isn't it courtesy? Isn't it? Mm. Because there's, there's a, a distinct lack of courtesy in the world anymore. And, uh, you know, obviously these are enormous issues that Mm. we're alluding to and we'll talk more about, but even simple things. I went to the gym this morning, which Mm. I hate to do, but I do Mm -hmm. it because it's I'm I'm very proud of you for going to the gym. Thank you. I I do it because it's, it's necessary to try Mm. to maintain the, uh, the kind of life that I want to lead. And I was standing, I'd I'd done uh, elliptical cardio and everything. And I just picked up a few weights and I was standing in front of one of the benches that you can sit on, lie on or whatever, and do Mm -hmm. just free weights. It was 12, maybe 13 inches away from me. I was standing at the top of it and just doing some exercises with the weights first before I sat down or lay down on the bench. Someone came over, put a piece of paper on the bench, and then immediately had their face in their phone. And it's like, yeah, I see you standing there, but I'm ignoring you and I'm staking my claim on this bench. Mm-hmm. I stood there for a second and just kind of looked with my arms out like this. I'm like, you're not going to pay attention to me. You're not going to acknowledge me. And why is that? It's because you're, it's because you're rude is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, there's, there's just a little, a little more courtesy. It doesn't cost you anything to be nice. And that's, if we had a little more of that, breathe the accelerator just a little bit, we'd all get through a lot smoother. 
Do you think it's courtesy or empathy? Maybe a little of both, hmm. but just consideration for others. Yeah, that was something I had, I kind of like thought about this weekend of like, a lot of people don't have self-awareness anymore. They don't, they don't. Oh yeah. They're very much like this now. Tunnel and they vision. don't see what's around them. Mm-hmm. So they're not like, oh, like I'm crossing a crosswalk. Oh, I see a car here. I'm going to like skip a little further ahead just to kind of make sure they can get on their way. Right. Instead of. I'm just, you know, walking. totally absorbed in what I'm doing and I don't care about anything or anyone else. Yeah. Frustrating. Welcome to the Racing It Out podcast. Yeah. Let's get to our guest because I'm, yes. I'm excited about it. Proudly bisexual, resilient, and ready to race. Rena Thomason set for Arca Menard's series debut. That's the headline from the story that caught my attention about our guest, Rita Thomason. When you read a little further, you'll learn that she's faced significant challenges during her life and has a remarkable story that we want to help highlight. She currently resides in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, has a career in law enforcement, just completed her first Arca Menard series race. She finished 12th. Among some of the other stages of her life and challenges that she faced, parents that struggled with addiction and mental instability, moving to new cities and or states once a year or more, homelessness, struggling to sort out her feelings towards men and women, among other things. I have not met her until now. Rita, I never felt once reading about you that you were anything but motivated by your life's difficulties and use them to push yourself forward and your desire to help people is admirable. It's nice to meet you, Rita Thomason. Good to meet you too. Thank you for having me on. It's our pleasure. Thank you for coming. It's, uh, so let's, let's talk a little racing first, because this is one of the things we do on this podcast. Tell us about your first Arca Menard series experience. That was interesting. So not only was it my first Arca Menards race, but it was my first paved oval race ever. That's right. Yes. Wow. Yeah. The only other uh, oval racing I've done was on dirt at like my local three eighths mile track in a front wheel drive car. That was different. The quality of the talent in the Arca Menards series is amazing. Uh, those drives are fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that happens sometimes as you start to move up the racing ranks. You find the drivers, the driver's talent is, is, is pretty good. So what, what were your thoughts about the whole experience, having, you know, the practice, the qualifying and trying to get up to speed and, and, and trying to, I, I remember you saying too, that you weren't expecting to win the first race, but you just, you wanted to finish and, and do as well as you could. Yeah, uh, we missed a little bit of practice because we had some issues getting our car to pass, or my car actually, to pass tech. Um, The setup wasn't quite right. Alex and his team, Club Racing, are an amazing team, but it's their first year really operating on their own, so they're still trying to work out some kinks. And then I got out on track, and my spotter and I had some radio miscommunication, so it was hard to try to be fast and stay out of the faster car's way. Um, and I was just like, oh, my God, I, I thought in practice I'd get some clear track and learn to be a little bit faster. But a half mile in Arctic cars is a very, very small track. It yes. Turns out. <laughs> oh, for sure. It was still a lot of fun. And the race was great. Um, the Arctic officials were like, we know you're a little slow. As long as you stay low and you stay out of the faster car's way, we'll let you race. 
And then I discovered what a race car that is tight in and loose out means. No matter if I try to go fast in the straights and I know I could take the turns faster, it would wash up the track and I would be in the way of the other drivers. So I was just like, I called it driving around the inside of the donut, but I was going to make it. And then I tried to go a little too fast. The car got loose. I spun out and we had issues with what I think are the carb floats. Um, and I just couldn't get it to stay restarted. So rather than limp a broken race track or broken race car around track, I'm like, with my inexperience level, it's just time to put it on the trailer while it's not wrecked. Also an important decision mm-hmm. to make. So where do you go from here? I know you've talked about doing more races and mm-hmm. where is your schedule going to take you from here? And I am so thrilled about that because all my experience comes from road course racing. Oh, I've never been to mid Ohio, but it is on iRacing. And you can see I have my awesome iRacing simulator here. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. I have so been. Not it's to, nice. You'll like So, it. not to pump our, our series a little bit, but if you like road course racing, you'll have to come up to Canada and race the Penny series that Todd and I both work in because we got some badass road course tracks. Yeah, I've heard about that and I've heard that it is awesome. Canada is just a little bit of a drive from Alabama. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Although, we'll road trip it. Yeah, it's good. It'll be fun. You'll, you'll, but I mean, if you're it. ever coming up to like Watkins Glen or something. Yeah. Just maybe a, it's worth the trip. Just a short and drive. If the, if the schedules make it work. And my heritage is so. French Canadian. So, oh, really? Yes. My maiden last name is Langevin, which is a traditionally oh. French Canadian name. I was actually born in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And oh, yes. I'm a third or fourth generation immigrant. Wow. That's cool. No, very yeah. nice. So, so it's in your, it's in your roots. No wonder you're a road course racer. All yes. the French Canadians here are road course racers. So it makes a lot of sense. It's a lot of fun. I love road coursing. You're not just dealing with the challenges of the car and the drivers, but you're also having to deal with the track and every turn's a little bit different. And the weather too. Yes. That's not something you really have to deal with in oval track racing, but it might rain. It might rain and you might have a new, completely new set of tires you need to put on because if it rains, you're going racing. It don't matter. Oh yeah. Um, My question, I have a question for you. If with your background and constantly moving around and stuff, how did you get into racing? What was your start that made you like go, oh, I like doing this. And like, how did you like really get into it? So it actually started with my, we, my parents' first vehicle was a 1983 Subaru station wagon that we got when I was maybe 11 years old. Before then, we'd always just taken the bus or walk. And I was, we went, I went fishing with my dad. So it was just him and me in the car. And I was like, I want to see how fast it'll go. And we took that rattly old Subaru up to a whopping 70 miles an hour. It looked like it was going to fall apart, but that stayed in my head. I'm like, oh my God, I like going fast. But with my financial situation, you know, being broke, I couldn't really think about getting into motorsports until my third marriage, when I was able to buy a second Miata just for autocross. And that did it. But in the interim, um, I had a 1992 Miata that was my first real car um, that I bought when I learned how to drive at 23 or 24. And me and that car would go everywhere. It was just, I put the top down, I hit the gas and go way faster than I should have. And just all my stress would just melt away. So I've just always loved going fast. It's interesting that you had that 
start to racing that's i think a pretty common thing is the the speed and the sensation and the excitement was it also a bit of an escape for you because of some of the things that you went through during your childhood and formative years i don't know i really didn't think about actually racing until i was probably my first miata in my early 20s mm -hmm. um I, I liked going fast but when you're when you grow up as poor as i did you know what you see on tv is a different life you don't think that that's anything you could even have so it wasn't even a thought that i dared entertain until i was much older but one thing i do like about racing is that when you're in the car you can't be thinking about the bad day you had at work or your boss getting mad at you or the difficult call or any issues you have to be 100 percent focused on what you're doing and it's like it's almost like meditation which i i, I love it interesting very interesting when did your financial struggles and stuff really start to like when did when did it all start to happen for you like when it got better or when it started sucking when it started sucking oh my entire life um yeah. my, my family we we grew up really poor my mom she never went to a psychiatrist because she doesn't believe in them but there's no doubt she had some issues there she couldn't hold down a job um, and my dad, as try as he might, he struggled with alcoholism and gambling addiction for most of my childhood. Um, and he was also disabled. So he was trying to hold down three part-time jobs and finally got on disability. And we were living off like $1,200 a month, um, skipping from apartment to apartment and how, like, city to city, just hoping that we'd have a better life in the next one. There, there were times when my mom would be like, oh, you know, here's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and, but I'm not really hungry. And I, I thought she wasn't actually hungry. And it turns out it was more that we really couldn't afford to feed everyone. Um, and then we had a lot of issues. Um, I think my mom got upset that I wasn't a carbon copy of her because, you know, she was the kind of mom that kids need to be like, like fall into line exactly like their parents and me being bisexual and liberal and not fitting her mold I wound up getting kicked out when I was 16 and then I lived in a homeless shelter for a little while and wound up marrying an abusive man being broke and it really wasn't until I became a paramedic and then a cop that I actually had financial stability and how old were you when you became uh when you got that financial stability um I was 21 when I went to paramedic school Twenty-two, I think, when I got certified. Probably twenty-three when I got my first paramedic job, and that paid like I want to say I started at twelve or fourteen dollars an hour, which seemed like a lot then. Which probably back then was a lot yeah. compared to now, where yeah. it's like, oh, that's less than minimum wage, at least here in Canada. Oh, yeah. But but, but it, back then, it's like it's good money. I couldn't complain. It, it let me, yeah. um, you know, we, we, me and my then uh, my second husband got a house and. We were able to get my 92 Miata and, you know, actually have some breathing room. And then when I became a cop, then my financial stability got a lot better because, you know, government job, regular pay raises. Can't how do you, it. how do you go from being a paramedic, which is one set of skills to being yeah. a cop? That's a, it's, I mean, I understand 
your your motivation is 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 service and helping people, but it's just it's a bit of a different field to say the least. This is gonna sound dumb. No, it won't. It's your story. <laughs> nothing nothing sounds dumb. As a paramedic, you get to everything when it's too late. You know, the drunk driver has already crashed into the tree or or killed the innocent family. The domestic violence victim has already mm. been beat up. The bad thing has already happened and, and you're there to try and take her to the hospital, get them stabilized, make them know someone cares, but you can't keep it from happening. And it was so frustrating. But as a cop, I can pull over the drunk driver before he hits somebody. I can maybe intervene with the domestic violence victim before it gets to the point where they're getting seriously hurt or killed. I feel like I can do more to actually keep the bad thing from happening. Um, so yeah, I just wanna do more. That's you could actually make a difference and help people instead of, like you said, being yeah. the last one to the scene of an accident. Exactly. I think it's no, really insightful. Makes... It's not a dumb thing at all. I think that's no, it's really not dumb insightful. at all. I never would have actually thought about it yeah. that way until you just said it of like, you're right. It's like police officers are usually the first ones on scene. They're usually the, the ones called to investigate domestic violence, sexual assault, any of it. Yep. But ambulances are always a last resort yeah we're just putting them in the ambulance stabilizing them medically and taking them to the hospital but i can't take that guy to jail i can't do anything to prevent the crime i'm just picking up the pieces and that got to be very psychologically challenging so i'm like i want to do more mm -hmm. especially with your background too because it's like you have been there before and it's like wishing you had probably had somebody like yourself in that situation that had that motivation to help. And that's one thing I really enjoy about my job is, is taking that extra time, especially with domestic violence victims or kids that are being abused and talking to them about what's going on and giving them options. Um, but I think other cops might not go about it the same way. So that's an interesting question I also mm -hmm. had is you live in a primarily red state. Yep. So <laughs> it's especially and I don't want to get into it now but all the stuff that's coming out in the states from this weekend with Roe v. Wade oh, and, yeah. and I, as you a proud member of the LGBTQ community Alabama is not historically prideful right. or tolerant tolerance the perfect word actually they're not tolerant of things like that they're very like these are our Christian ways this is the way we do things if you are outside of that mold we don't want you. And if any, if actually, we're actually going to do everything we can to get rid of you. So what has been your experience living in such a primarily red state with your background? So one advantage of being bisexual is I can kind of pass for straight. I'm married to a guy. No one asks me about my girlfriend. So I'm only out if I choose to be essentially. Um, so it, it wasn't that hard at first because I would only tell people who really needed to know. Um, it would, like, I wouldn't deny it if it came up in conversation, but I didn't like advertise it until the last year or two when, you know, I'm tired of not being myself. Thankfully, I live in Tuscaloosa, which is a large college town. So it tends to lean more liberal. Um, mm -hmm. That's helpful. I really haven't mm -hmm. experienced a, a ton of issues, surprisingly enough. You bring up an interesting conversation, though, which is a conversation I've seen a lot this Pride Month about specifically bisexual women that date men. 
yes, and yes. are not accepted into the LGBTQ community because they're like, well, no, you just, you're, you're bi-curious. You're not actually bisexual. Like you're just like fooling around. You're like experimenting all this stuff. And it's like, why can you not just accept bisexual women when they say they're bisexual? I agree. Like, why do you make us mask? Yes, it, it, it's frustrating because I actually had to have this conversation with one of my crew members. He's like, how are you bisexual if you're married? Mm. And I'm like, okay, so this is going to be an educational moment. And I explained to him that it's about who I'm attracted to, not necessarily who I'm currently dating. I'm attracted to both men and women. I've been in relationships with both men and women. And I'm actually currently in a relationship with both a man and a woman. Uh, but even if I weren't, even if I were married to a man, that's still, you know, just to a man, it wouldn't invalidate my bisexuality. And it's, it's hard to get people to understand that it's not who you're having sex with. It's who you're attracted to. And that goes, I think for me personally, it goes even further of if you've only primarily dated men, but you are still attracted to women, you're still you might be attracting. Thank you. Yes. You're still bisexual. Yes. It doesn't matter if you've even ever kissed a woman or had sex with a woman or had been in a relationship with a woman if you are attracted to them you can consider yourself bisexual absolutely 100 percent. you mentioned that you are currently in a relationship with a man and a woman are you polyamorous uh yes yes um uh not to put you on the spot if you aren't no, comfortable no. talking about it no it's it's sometimes hard for people to get their head around because they're like oh we can deal with you being bisexual but what Mm. Um, so when I started dating my, I'm on my third husband. It, it took me a while to find the right one. Um, uh, when we first started dating, I told him I was bisexual and I'm like, I can be monogamous if you want me to. Um, but I'd honestly rather not. And he's like, I don't care if you date a woman. And I'm like, really? Seriously? Oh my God. That's amazing. But it didn't really come up until a couple of years ago when I started dating Kim and Kim and my husband, Sam have met. Um, but like my relationships with each person are separate. Um, okay. So they're not, you guys aren't in like, like a triad. No, a, you know, you guys aren't in a relationship together. You are in a relationship with two separate people. Exactly. That's very interesting. It gets complicated on Valentine's day. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that you have a sense of humor and mm -hmm. uh, are comfortable expressing yourself and, and have a sense of humor uh, about it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, you're fine. I think it's more no, I feel like I've been asking too many questions. No, it's good. I'm, I'm deliberately staying quiet because I'm enjoying listening to how this conversation is going. So please continue. Yeah, I think if more people were open about it and talked about it, it wouldn't be this big under the table secret. I mean, I'm not the only one who's dating or married to a man and dating a woman or some variation of that. But everyone acts like it's just this huge deal. And as long as my husband's cool with it, my girlfriend's cool with it. No one's getting hurt. That's the issue with right. everyone today is people care too much about other people's shit and they shouldn't. This is true. If, it's like, why do you care who I date? Exactly. And if you're having a relationship with more than one person, I don't, I don't care which sex they are. It's you're open and honest about the relationship with everyone then everyone is aware of all of the circumstances and quite frankly it's no one else's damn business that's true and i'm a lot to deal with <laughs> my husband is an amazing guy he's like like a solid rock 
but he hates racing. And my girlfriend's, I know, right? Really? My girlfriend loves it. Mm -hmm. So my husband's like, oh, you want to take him to the track instead of me? Hell yeah. So they kind of share the load. Yeah, that's And that's an interesting thing I've kind of learned in the last couple of years is you can't put all of your needs on one person, even if you are monogamous. It's not fair to that person and it's not fair exactly. No, so it's like you have to spread your needs over your friends, your family, right. the, your co- your the different people you have relationships with in your life. So it's like back to the question of why do you give a damn about who I date, who I'm married to, whatever. When it's like I I'm yeah. getting my needs met, they're getting their needs met. It's a consenting relationship on all ends. Yeah, mind your business. Pretty much. Well, so here's here's the thing I want to want to mention because. I read in reading your story, Rita, and seeing some of the the social comments about it. Uh, this was part of the motivation why I wanted to get in touch with you and and have you on because, of course, as your story is shared on different platforms, there's the I'm not going to attribute the comments, but I will read some of them because and I I want to make a point about it. What does being bisexual have to do with driving a race car? When did people's sexual preferences become so important to today's society? And there are numerous others of the same like. I'm sure some that might be. And well, I'm not, and I'm not going to read the ignorant uh, ignorant ones, but but that's, that's sort of the, the common question, if you, if you will, it's important because to me, it's important because people don't feel comfortable that are involved in motorsports or any other sport or community and being them themselves 100% as, as you mentioned that, that, you, that you were as well. That's why it's important to acknowledge and recognize. And quite frankly, I'm happy to support and, and tell the story as best we can, because until that happens, we don't have equality. And that's a problem for everyone, not just those that are feeling uncomfortable and not being as open and honest about who they are as they they can and should be. Yeah. Yeah, uh, until it's a total non-issue and nobody actually genuinely cares, then it needs to be an issue. It needs to be brought up. And every, every everybody will say, well, it doesn't matter to me. And that's great. But, it, but, but ask I, yourself, I, I, ask yourself the question, are you, are all of your actions and, and words showing and indicating that? And I'm not sure that that's the case for everyone. Yeah. If it didn't matter to them, they wouldn't comment. Right. Exactly. It's like you clearly there is like, if you were truly an ally, you wouldn't care enough to post. Yeah. And you wouldn't people, care enough. No, go ahead. Oh, and all those people that, that comment, oh, I, it doesn't matter. I don't care. It's like that conversation wasn't for you. It was for the person who is in the closet, who isn't sure if NASCAR is for them, who, who wants to go to the races, who wants to be themselves. But they look out and they see a sea of, you know, what used to be Confederate flags or they don't see themselves represented. And that's why I'm out. It's not for the people who are like, oh, it doesn't matter. I don't care. So what do you think, because that is a conversation that is currently going on in NASCAR, they have been for the first time, I think, in the time I've at least been following NASCAR, really, truly celebrating pride and actually putting 
LGBTQ drivers on the fourth sorry on the forefront of their pages which was I'm a, losing my voice from this weekend <laughs> yeah. it was a challenge too because it was my very first race and there was a lot more media attention than I was expecting mm. I was like oh my god this is great but overwhelming yeah but it's, it's good to see. it is good to see and I can't wait to see where they take it I think <laughs> I had my roommate send me their Yaskar pit, their Yaskar tweet. That's awesome. And I'm like, this is, this is, you are heading the right direction, NASCAR. It might be a little tone deaf, but they are but trying. You are trying so hard. And they have, they are continually facing the adversity that they know they have in their sport. And it is awesome. And having drive a driver like you, because the one thing I do will say I haven't seen this year is female LGBTQ drivers. Yeah, and I, I've noticed that there are no openly queer women currently in NASCAR. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder if maybe, I don't know why. I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we go back to that topic of being even just bisexual, let alone a fully gay woman in racing. You get those questions of are like, are you really gay? Like, how can you be gay or like like women if you're in NASCAR? Like, you're probably just like saying that so you don't get harassed and like stuff like that. And it's like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. But I know I, I picked it. I could have just stayed in the closet, but I, I looked around and I was like, there, there is no representation. And I did some research and the only other uh, member of the LGBTQ community that was female in NASCAR was 45 years ago. I think Lella, really? Lella Lombardi, she was an F1 driver and she drove. Oh, you mean in like all of motorsports? All of NASCAR for sure. Okay. Um, she was an F1 and she drove like half of the like Daytona 500 or something okay. back in, I don't know, 45 years ago. And all the research that I found or that I looked at, that was the only other one. And I was like, oh my God, that's awful. That's, that's horrible, but it is 2022. Uh, although it may not feel like it in the news this week, it is 2022. I personally, for me, like the direction the NASCAR is going with their diversity movement. Do you think, what do you think they could be doing differently, actually? Um, I think they could probably incorporate that kind of stuff, not just in June, but mm -hmm. a little bit throughout the year. That way it's not as like big of a deal to their fan base they're just gonna get used to being like oh well this this gay male driver got a top five or you know just have it be just part of the conversation and not just one month and i i and i i get i don't know i guess is is pride month necessary to get to that point and maybe we have to you know keep making a big deal about it until it's not a big deal if that makes any sense it does and i'm sure that yes i, I yeah. think it still needs to be i like pride month i can find so much cool rainbow pride flag stuff. well and and maybe it's as simple as that is maybe the merch is always available and that's it's mm -hmm. just simple things like that that yeah. i have not seen acceptance. that the nascar 
the NASCAR Pride merch, I have not seen that limited time on it. So Good. I am hoping that it is going to be there. I hope so, so too. I bought a um, a NASCAR Pride hat to go with my NASCAR Pride shirt, but it's not supposed to get shipped till like October. But yay! Rita, I know I was looking at them as well. So awesome, Rita Tomlinson. You're an inspiration. I'm so happy that you were able to join us today. And yes, we'll stay in touch and keep following your story and keep promoting your story as well, because it's an important one. And we really thank you and appreciate you being here. Yeah. And I'd love to come back after Mid-Ohio if you'd have me and we can talk about how that race went. Oh, you'll be back. Trust me. Oh, yes. You'll 100% be back. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. I very much enjoyed being on the show. She was phenomenal. I love her. She's wonderful. She, what a, I'm so glad that we were able to connect and have Rita join us. And we will be her having her on her again story. because she oh, is, no question. she has a very unique perspective of not only NASCAR, but of racing. And she, I think she's going to be an inspiration to a lot of young girls that were in a similar position to her. Not only how could she not be, how could she not be? And I'm not talking about just her being bisexual or polyamorous, her being that, that surprised me too. When she mentioned she, she mm -hmm. had a husband and a girlfriend, I was like, you're openly polyamorous as well. That is huge. And I think it's, she's telling her story. She reached the point in her life where it's like, no, I, I need to be who I am. And she's I'm authentically herself. And she, yes, has that's a that great point. phrase. Authentically yeah. herself. That's a, that's a, a beautiful phrase. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm glad she is. I'm sorry. More people aren't. And mm -hmm. I hope that this little bit that we've been able to do and conversation that we've been able to have will, will help others to, to do that because is, is there anything better than being authentically yourself and comfortable and happy? And I, 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 I've talked with, you know, friends who have gone through, you know, difficult times and relationships or life or whatever and stuff is like, and I said, it was like, you've, it, cause it, you know, there are times in my life when I wasn't, but it's like, you got to be comfortable in your own skin mm -hmm. and comfortable with who you are and what you want and what you want to do and what you want out of life and what you're looking for in life. And some people get there quickly. Some people, it takes a lot longer and I think I'm pretty, pretty much at that stage right now, which I'm, which I'm happy about. Cause I'm thinking back now, it's like, yeah, there's times where I wasn't and mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it makes for a much better and much happier life. So I hope, I hope this little thing has, has helped people in, in all aspects of that. A hundred percent. And I hope if anything, it showed that it doesn't matter what your background is no. too. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you are authentically yourself, you don't have to hide your background. Your background is what made you who you are. Exactly. So it's, it's, what, it's what got you to this point in your life. Exactly. It's like, you know, she didn't start really racing until she was in her twenties as compared to like all the cup drivers who've been racing since they were like yeah. three. So what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. She is a race car driver. Fantastic. Thank you, Amazing. Rita Tomlinson. So check out her socials and follow her story and, and others as well. Mm -hmm. uh, our next podcast is going to come up quickly because we're going to be at CTMP this weekend, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park for the IMSA weekend. We'll be at the Rev TV setup and display and the, the merchants alley. I, I forget exactly what it's called, but anyhow, you'll, you'll be able to find it. marketplace. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. English is yeah, a challenge at time. So we'll be set up there. Um, 
Come say come hi. See us. Yeah, I love it. And bring questions. Bring Please questions. Bring if you questions. got them, that would be awesome. We would love that. So All the interactive, tremendous. We're looking forward to it this weekend. All right. Next Fenty's race is Toronto, too. Oh, uh, yeah. Gonna My be home race. Busy weekend. Going to be busy, a fun. I weekend. love that weekend. I mean, it's Amazing. especially wonderful now in the series that we both work on in, in Pinties that they are part of it. They're the, they're the, they're the closing act on Friday. It's free Friday, mm -hmm. by the way, Honda yes. fan fest free Friday. You get in free, make a donation to make a wish. The Pinties race is often touted as the best race of the weekend. I go ahead. Are the monster trucks back this year? Uh, the stadium super trucks are back this year. They I would are. argue that they're better than they're us better because they're cool, okay. but because oh, you like trucks flying through the air. It's fun. It looks <laughs> it awesome. Is. It is fun. It's great. It's a great attraction. Where it's else part of are you going to see downtown Toronto on Lakeshore, a truck going actually, no, that actually might be a regular occurrence. Yeah, I know, could, but... Could well. but it's the weekend is tremendous. I love this weekend going back a, a million years to great seasons of uh, great IndyCar names from the past. Cascar, the predecessor of NASCAR, and some incredible and wonderful races. I just, I've, I, I could go for hours on fun times and not so fun times and experiences of that race. But it's just, it's just been, uh, you know, that's, uh, it's one of the things that that drew me in. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. It's back. It's going to be such a great weekend. All right. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks. CTMP this weekend. Uh, the disclaimer is, of course. The views, ideas, opinions, thoughts, and expressions used on this podcast are those of Caitlin, myself, individually, not to be affiliated, associated, or in any way, shape, or form tied to NASCAR, IndyCar, Green Savory, Avion Motorsports, or anybody else that we may or may not have ever been employed with in our entire life or in the future. We don't want to get in trouble. We want to be able to keep working and keep doing this. How's that? I think the whole message of this podcast is... Mind your business. Our opinions are our opinions. Don't give a fuck about whatever anybody else does with their lives. <laughs>